Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Friday, June 16th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, Republican hardliners are gunning for a shutdown in September. Number two, frustration grows over the delay on Julie Sue's nomination. And number three, the vault. What to watch in Senate banking. All right, let's get into it. Happy Friday. We have a very interesting and pretty serious top uh, leading Punchable News AM. Fresh off grinding the House floor to a halt last week, hardline House conservatives are already gunning for a new fight, forcing a government shutdown this fall if they don't get desired spending cuts. With the Senate and the House likely to pass probes bills that are about $120 billion apart. That's right. 120 billion with a B. Compromise will be necessary to keep the government funded past the end of September. The Senate Appropriations Committee will begin marking up fiscal year 2024 spending bills next week at the levels agreed to in the debt limit deal. But House Freedom Caucus members are showing little appetite for buckling to the upper chamber's demands so soon after forcing Speaker Kevin McCarthy to direct the appropriations bills to be marked up at fiscal year 2022 spending levels. Of course, leadership thought that this was not going to be an issue when they got the debt limit deal. But there are several conservatives. Representative Bob Good, the Republican from Virginia, saying we shouldn't fear a government shutdown. Representative Eli Crane, the Republican from Arizona, pledging to continue to, quote, push for fiscal conservative policy and said he was not concerned about any blowback he would receive from his House colleagues on taking a stand on government funding. Representative Brian Donalds, another key figure in the House Republican conference, the Republican from Florida, said he agreed with Crane on the need to stand up for conservative fiscal goals. I'm not afraid of shutdowns, Donalds told us. It's the familiar dynamic. Members of the House Freedom Caucus flex their muscles and illustrate their power to push the Republican agenda rightward, while more moderate majority makers wring their hands. But we certainly saw that they are willing to go to the edge here by shutting down the entire floor over a rules uh, proposal that they were frustrated with over their leadership. So it's going to be very interesting to watch, as particularly as some members within the conservative wing of the GOP are already bristling at the idea of government shutdown, so they aren't completely unified. Tim Burchett, the Republican from Tennessee, said he's not gunning for a shutdown. And Representative Dan Bishop also seemed especially sour to the notion. He even chided our reporters for asking about it. We're always working to avoid that, Bishop said, of a shutdown. You've got crazy theories rather than reporting, huh? Well... We shall see. Time will only tell. We're going to continue to follow what's likely to be a very, very contentious spending battle in the months ahead. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, the upper chamber. We have been talking about Julie Sue and her nomination to become labor secretary. And the big question right now is, is it time to put up or shut up for President Joe Biden? That's the feeling among many Senate Democrats as that White House struggles to lock up the requisite support for her nomination nearly two months after her confirmation hearing. Some feel like they're being dragged along with no clear path to success. 
That frustration has been being vented by people like Senator John Tester, the Democrat from Montana. He said, look, I wish we'd have a vote so people can vote and move on, up or down, whatever it might be. Tester, of course, is one of the three holdouts on the Democratic side. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin also was exasperated with reporters' questions about Sue, telling us on Thursday that he doesn't track the Sue nomination every day and is not, quote, dealing with it directly, even as the White House is still working to secure 50 votes. With all Republicans opposed, the White House can't lose more than one Democrat. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, another holdout, has basically stopped answering questions about the nomination and is believed to be a no on her nomination, although he won't say it outright. Senator Kirsten Sinema, the independent from Arizona, also remains undecided. And a look at the Senate's calendar suggests Sue won't be coming up for a vote anytime soon. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has teed up votes for next week on two judicial nominations and a new tax treaty with Chile, making it highly unlikely that the chamber will vote on Sue during what will be a shortened work week due to the Juneteenth holiday. And after that, the Senate is on recess for two weeks, returning July 10th at the earliest. This is going to be one that we are going to continue to watch as the frustration mounts. And some people are just think it's time to move forward. Although Sue does have vocal proponents, including Senator Alex Padilla, the Democrat from California, who told us that she continues to prove her mettle, even without Senate confirmation, pointing to this week's news that Sue helped broker a labor agreement for workers at West Coast Ports. So far, nobody in the president's party is calling for the White House to withdraw her nomination. But Democrats are privately wondering how much longer the saga can continue. All right, let's move on to The Vault. Our very own Brendan Peterson has a look at Senate banking and a clawback bill and what comes next. Thursday night, the Senate Banking Committee made some of its biggest news in almost four years. Chair Sherrod Brown, the Democrat from Ohio, will host a markup hearing. His first on a much-anticipated collaboration with Senator Tim Scott to bolster bank executive accountability. Say hello to the Recovering Executive Compensation Obtained from Unaccountable Practices Act, or the RECOUP Act. This effort follows a sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in March. One of Congress's main memories from the episode revolves around stock sales SVB executives made just months before the bank failed. If there's one legislative reform coming out of the spring banking crisis, this is it. For banks with more than $10 billion of assets, the bill would give bank regulators stronger authority to claw back incentive-based pay, namely bonuses and profits from stock sales. It would also allow regulators to temporarily ban executives from working in the sector for misconduct and direct bank boards to adopt new corporate governance standards. If passed by the Senate, the Recoup Act would be the most consequential banking bill to clear the chamber since the Trump-era deregulation legislation in 2018. The Brown-Scott bill would also be the first legislation to introduce new curbs on banker behavior since 2010's Dodd-Frank reforms. There's just one problem. The bill has stiff competition from one of the Senate's most influential progressives. Senator Elizabeth Warren has introduced the failed Bank Executives Clawback Act with Senator Josh Hawley back in March. That bill was 
updated in June to include a large number of bipartisan co-sponsors. Now, this is going to be a big issue. Those lawmakers include Senators Kevin Kramer, Katie Britt, and J.D. Vance, all Republicans, and all members of the Senate Banking Committee. A committee bill backed by its chair and ranking member is almost always going to be the frontrunner of any major reform act. But the Recoup Act is also watered down compared to the Warren-Hawley bill, a fact made significant by the latter's existing foundation of bipartisan support. This is ultimately a debate about political calculation, and the question is going to be whether the more watered-down bill gets passed or if its opponents and will continue to support Warren in their larger bipartisan effort. It's going to be fascinating to watch, and we will keep you apprised of the effort. With that, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, please share it with your friends on social media. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also go deeper on all of the things I spoke about this morning by signing up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.